We have looked <clears throat> in this series concerning some different topics concerning the authority of what we do and why we do what we do in the church of Christ and what the Bible says about these things. We've looked at the topics of is it from heaven or men? How does God give instructions? Um, our standard for authority, uh, we've looked at that thought as well. And today we're going to look about God's silence. And we will finish this series up, uh, Lord's willing, next week and with the topic of what's the church. And we will move accordingly from there. But again, this morning, God's silence. Have you ever heard someone try to justify a practice mainly in religion by saying this statement? This must be okay because God never specifically said not to do it. You ever heard that? I have many, many times. God says that, it's, that, that he never said that we couldn't use Mountain Dew on the Lord's Supper table. He specifically said through the vine, didn't he? God didn't say that we couldn't do this or do that, whatever the case may be. But you know, this is a common argument made today. Many people in the religious world, especially the denominational world, and sometimes even in the Lord's church, will say, well, God didn't say I couldn't do it. Or this must be okay because God never specifically said not to. But I ask you the question this morning, is this a legitimate argument? What are we to do when God says nothing about a matter? What are we to do when God is silent upon a specific thing? You know, I can remember times through my life that God or that people have said, I can't believe you're a part of that church of Christ. I can't believe that you're part of a religion that says that you can't do this and and that you can't have a piano in the corner or uh, you, 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 uh, you don't have to be baptized. Uh, you have to be baptized to be saved and, and, and that you're not saved when you call upon the name of the Lord. I can't believe that you're a part of that church. I've had that said to me. And I'm probably, you have had said it to you as well. Because people use the justification, God, God doesn't say thou shall not. Well, yes, he does. When it comes to, to music in the Lord's church, Ephesians 5, 19, Colossians 3, verse 16, sing, sing, says nothing about an instrument. 
But some say, well, what, what does it hurt? What does it hurt? You're telling me that a person who has a musical talent and, and can sing very pretty and, and all these things, that God wouldn't enjoy that? Well, you're right in one sense. God is, enjoys people who praise him, but praise him in the right way. The way he has specified to praise him. And a lot of people in the world today, especially in a denominational world, when we quote to them Ephesians 5 and verse 19 and Colossians 3 and 16 that give us example of the church singing and no instrumental music is there, they say, they can't believe it. I've never seen that. I've never heard that. But I want you to consider three things with me this morning. First being that God demands careful obedience. Secondly, God's silence is not permissive or permission. Thirdly, instead of focusing on God, what God has not said, Let's make sure that we're focusing on what he has said to do and doing it. Those are three things I want us to consider this morning when we talk about God's silence. And let me, under, let me say this on the very front. Most religious folks, even in the Lord's church, don't get this thought. <coughs> They don't get that God demands careful obedience. And they don't see a God that says that you do it this way because if you don't do it this way, I will punish you one day. They don't get that concept. They see a God as, as, as a God like a grandfather or a grandmother. One that, that always... Uh, that, that can't, they can't say no. They're always going to give. That's how they see God. That they're always going to get what they want, when they want it. And you know, they see a God that loves me so much that he'll take any type of worship that I want to give him. He loves me and he loves the world so much he'll take any type of worship and he won't punish me. That's what most people see God as. But God, again, demands careful obedience. Consider the example of Cain in, in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, or 2 through uh, 5 there that was read just a moment ago. You see, the very thing that we want to do when we read that passage in Genesis 4, <coughs> we want to focus and, and spend so much energy on what did Cain do? What did he do that God was not happy with him? What did he do that, that God was not happy with his offering and he was his brother? That's where we want to put our focus. We want to focus a lot of times on what God has not said rather than on things that he has said. And see, that's not where our focus needs to be. You see, God is general. God is very plain. 
God was not happy with what Cain brought. It's that simple. He wasn't happy with that. Whatever it was and whatever he did, God was not happy with it. And he rejected his offering. But consider this with me. The example of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. And you go to Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. And I want you to notice this with me. And I hope you're turning there in your Bibles. But 29 and verse 29 of Deuteronomy. And the Bible reads to us and says this. Now, now get this. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Now, I'm going to tell you, a lot of people will stop right there. There's things that we don't know because God doesn't want us to know them. You're right. The secret things belong unto God. We need to be silent when the scriptures are silent and, and we want to stop right there. But I want you to go on with me in this scripture. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed, watch it right here. Those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may know or do all the words of this law. That same principle is applied today in 2023. Everything is revealed unto us on how to do what we need to do. We need to focus on what is revealed rather than what is not revealed. So as we leave Deuteronomy 29, <clears throat> let's go on over to, to the book of uh, Joshua. And in the book of Joshua, in the very first chapter of this book, in verses 7 and 8, <clears throat> notice what it says. Joshua 1, verses 7 through 8. Only be thou strong and very courageous. We want to stop right there. We want to stop and say, oh, God is with me. And he, just, he wants us to be courageous and, and strong. And we can do all things to the Lord. And you're right. But notice what it says when you go on. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest, what? Observe to do according to all the law. Which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. You see, God demands careful obedience. We say, well, that's all in the Old Testament. That's talking about all the old law. You're right. But let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to the book of John. In chapter 8 of the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 8 and verse 31. Notice what the Bible says to us. This is our Lord going to be talking. Then Jesus, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, notice, 
If we continue, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Simple, isn't it? God demands careful obedience. Well, go on over into the book of Corinthians, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and uh, chapter 4. We have another passage that talks about this whole thing of careful obedience. God demands careful obedience. We're talking about God's silence here. When God doesn't say anything about certain subject or whatever it may be, what are we to do? In the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible reads, and the Apostle Paul writes here, and he says, And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up from one against the other. You know what that says? It says don't go above what's written. We pride ourselves in the churches of Christ of if it says it in the Bible, we're going to do it. That if it doesn't say it in the Bible, we're not going to do it. If we don't have a demand or we have a command through apostleship and the Holy Spirit and an example in the early church, we're not going to do it. But see, most denominations and other religious beliefs don't look at it that way. Paul directly wrote, he says, don't go above what is written. You read what's written in that Bible. And the problem is, is we're not reading what's in the Bible. We're taking some, somebody's word for it. Somebody that's standing in a pulpit and says, this is what you need to do. And we're not going and finding it out on our own. And reading it. That's why so many people that I study with through the years say, I didn't even know it was in there. My pastor never told me that. But Paul says, don't go above what is written. In the book of 2 John, going on on over, in verse 9 of that book, John writes, as whoever transgresseth, and biteth not in the doctrine or teaching of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. You know what that says? That if people are not doing the way God said do it, they're not of God. They're not in the church. They're not part of the church. Now you can't argue with that. You can argue with me, but you can't argue with Scripture. If you believe the Bible to be the word of God, you can't argue with that. Amen. You can't say, well, it didn't say not to. You can't say that he didn't say to do this. Well, yeah, he did. God specified things on baptism. When baptism, you are saved. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not is damned, Mark 16 and 16. In the book of Galatians it says, baptism doth now save us. Those who have been baptized have put on Christ. You see, you can't argue with that. And one, one, say, one says, I, well, he, I, I'm, I was saved when I accepted him as my personal Savior. That's hogwash. You were not saved. 
You were not saved until you and your body and your soul come in contact with the blood of Christ. And if it was not a baptism of remission of sins, you are lost today. And if you were not baptized according to what we see in the Bible, and if you are not worshiping of what we see in the Bible, you are doing it all in vain. And we have to understand that. What do we do when God says nothing? We use careful obedience. The book of Revelation in 22, chapter 22 and verses 18 and 19. Do not add to these things. Do not add to this book. You've heard it. Don't take away. Don't add to. Don't take away. Don't add to. A lot of people are adding to Especially when it comes to musical instruments in the, in the church. That's an addition to what God has said because man says God didn't say not to do it. Yes, he did. He gave us a, a divine example in Ephesians 5 verse 19 saying sing and make melody in your heart. You see, we have to put a little effort to find out what's right. Let me tell you this this morning. God has never left men to their own devices. He has always had requirements and demanded that they are strictly followed. God has always had specific things that he says, do, 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 do this. And he wants them followed. Second thing, God's silence is not permissive. Does not give us permission. Instead, it's restrictive. Now say that again. God's silence is not permission. Rather, it is restrictive. When God does not speak to a certain matter, we're not to say, well, God didn't say it. But they say, well, God didn't say it, so I ain't going to take no chance and do it. That's what it boils down to. <clears throat> now, let me, give you, let me give you an example. Everybody listening. All right. Let me give you an example. You got Drew Clenard over here. I'm going to use you, Drew. And his father says, they go to Walmart. Miss Dana said, I'll go buy and pick up stuff. We're going to grill for supper tonight. Says, I hate going in Walmart, so I'm going to go. I'm going to send Drew. That's why we have children anyway, right? So we can send them to go get stuff. So he says, he don't have no cash. So he said, here's my card. Go in there and I want you to buy some hamburger meat, ketchup, mayo, mustard, and cheese for these hamburgers. So he goes in to Walmart. And he goes and he buys everything for the hamburgers. But as he's walking over to the other side, he sees the electronics. 
She said, oh, I need a $500 PlayStation. Puts it in his buggy. He said, oh, I need a couple new games, $70 a piece. Then he says, oh, boy, I need some new clothes. I'm going to throw me in a good Tennessee shirt. I prefer it Alabama, but not. But he comes back and he gets back in the vehicle with, with, with his dad says, and he hands him a ticket and it's over $1,000. He says, why? What is going on with this? I sent you in there to get stuff for hamburgers and you come out with a PlayStation and games and all this stuff, over $1,000 of stuff, and Drew just looks at him and says, you didn't say not to. You see, that's the concept we're trying to get this morning. He didn't say he didn't have to. He didn't, he didn't not, you know, not to buy those things. But see, it's the basic line of communication. Knowing Drew the way I know him and knowing the set the way I know him as a parent, he'd have probably beat him. But Drew understood from his parent and the upbringing and what he has told him and taught him that that would not be permissible even if I don't say it. You see, it's the same concept in religion when we're talking about God's silence. It's restrictive. Let's say you go to the dentist and you go in to get a cavity filled in the very back and you, they go in and they gas you up and you're under and they take the, fill the cavity and you wake up, the cavity's filled, everything's fine. And then you smile and look in the mirror and your two front teeth are gone. And you look at the dentist and you say, why are my two front teeth? Well, the dentist might say, well, I didn't like how they look. So I just went ahead and pulled them. You didn't say not to pull them. You see, that's the kind of logic that we're dealing with when people say and try to justify things in worship and things in religion that are not there. I mean, we could go on and on. We could take the repairman of your automobile. You went in for an oil change and he put you a whole new motor in and charged you $5,000. Well, you didn't tell me not to. You see, we often deal with this with our children when they're young, don't we? I dealt with it in my home. That's all you didn't say not to do. And see, that's the same kind of thinking that we have in the religious world today. It's childish. It's on an immature level. When God says, well, he didn't say not to do this, and we use that as justification. You see, even small children understand that today. Our small children sitting here this morning, they understand it. My Abigail understands it. Daniel understands it. Willow understands it. J.C. Ray understands it. Our little children understand that concept. Mom and Dad don't have to say, don't do this, because they understand and know that. Same thing in religion. There's things that we understand. Now, go with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 14. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 14. Verse 14 of Hebrews 7 says this. Now let me set the stage here. 
The Hebrews appeal to the silence of God when talking about the priesthood of our Lord. The priesthood of Jesus uh, under the new covenant, if you will. You see, while the law was silent about priests coming from tribes other than Levi, that was not, there was not permission for Israel to, Israel to do it. The specifics in the law that the priests were to come from Levi excluded Jesus our Lord and anyone else from the other tribes. And notice what it says. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of, where? Judah. Of which tribe Moses spake, what? Nothing concerning priesthood. God's silence is not permissive. You know, God never said about any priest coming from, from, from the Judah, if you will, that was prophesied that he would spring up from here and there and those things. But see, the, the thought is a failure to apply this basic communication, this basic rule of communication that we gave the examples for, the failure to apply these basic things and these rules leads to any practice being a fair game. With that same mentality and thinking, it leads for anything that can go. That's what it boils down to. For example, example, women leading in the Lord's church, women being elders. That is not permissible according to Scripture. Neither deacons. Neither pastors or preachers. We have no authority for those things. But this way of thinking that, well, God didn't say anything about it or not to. Or didn't say anything about it coming, our Lord coming from Judah. He didn't say anything about taking the Lord's Supper on Friday. Yeah. A failure to apply this communication rule leads to any practice being fair game. That, oh, we can take it on Lord's on, on, on Friday. Well, no, we have example in the Bible of the early church doing it when? First day of the week. That's why we take it on the first day of the week and every week has a first day. It's not fair game of what we can put Mountain Dew in those cups. He said fruit of the vine. It's not that we can put some loaf bread in the cup or in the plate. used to be. Because he said unleavened bread. Loaf bread has leaven in it. Made it rise. Made it come up. But see, everything is not fair game. He didn't say uh, it's fair not fair game with sprinkling babies in baptism. It's not fair game when instrumental music of putting the drums on up here and building a stage and just putting a, a five-course band up here. That's not fair game. God's silence is not permission to do. And we must do what God has told us or what he has not told us in careful obedience. Third thing as we close. Instead of focusing on all God has not said, let's make sure that we focus on what he has said and do it. 
God has told us what he wants when it comes to appointing elders. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 1 through 4. There are certain qualifications that that man must meet. And notice I said man. Even in the Lord's church, they're putting women in leaderships. We don't have that. Don't have authority for that. He has given us what to say and do on appointing elders in the Lord's Supper. On baptism, we've already talked about that. We look at singing. You look in Colossians 3. In verse 16, and the scripture says that the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. What? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, not playing, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Ephesians 5, 19, sing and make melody in your heart. You know, Ephesians 5, 19 is a single command to every person sitting in this auditorium this morning. It's a single command. That's not a group blanket. Each one is to sing. If it be the case that we're going to take of that, literally how that says that, that if we're going to add instruments, if we're going to obey it like it needs to be obeyed, and if we're going to add instruments to it and put instruments in it, every person would have to have an instrument. Every person. Because you could not meet that, that commandment if you did not. So he has said specifically what we do concerning that. God is fully capable, don't take this wrong now, God is fully capable of telling us exactly what he wants. But the question is this morning, will you respect what he wants? That's the question. Will you respect what he wants? Will you respect and honor what God has said? Will you abide in his words? 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 6 and John 8 and 31 and 32 where it says there that if you abide in my words and continue in those words, he said, if you know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah. You see, if we do, we please God. And we stay on the spiritual path that leads to heaven. So this morning, we need to always Adhere to the silence of God. What God has said. It's just like marriage. Soon, I will join in the eyes of witnesses and of God, my own daughter, to a young man. James, you've done that. And you know, in that ceremony, I will say, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. You know what that means? That means they're going to be married for the rest of their life. You see, when God says it, we got to do it. That's why we have so many broken homes and divorces. God said it. Let no man put it asunder. God only gave one reason, didn't he? Yeah, so that a man can divorce and remarry. But we must admire and adhere to God. God's silence does not give you permission to do it. Does it do? doesn't give you permission to say, well, baptism is not essential. You're saved when you say this singer, uh, sinner's prayer. Ask yourself this morning, 
What did your salvation look like? Did it look like Acts 8 when Philip and the eunuchs and they were riding along Philip was teaching him out of the book of Isaiah and he asked him, did I believe it? that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And he says, yes I do with all my heart. And he says, they stopped the chariot immediately and they went down into the water. Then say they waited two weeks. You see, if your salvation and your baptism doesn't add up to that, you've been misled. If your baptism was not a full immersion, as we see in the Bible, what God has specified, you're lacking. A lot of people say, well, you can be baptized anyway. There's many baptisms now. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's it. That's the way it is. So this morning, maybe you have not adhered to the silence of God. Maybe you haven't adhered to what He has said. Maybe you have not been baptized for many of your sins and added to the Lord's church, the only church that we read about in the Bible, Matthew 16 and 18. Maybe you haven't been part of that. And maybe you're thinking about it, been thinking about it, and you want to study. We encourage you to do that. We'd love to study with you and show you the truth. Maybe this morning you failed and fallen away and you need to come back. We encourage you to do that. Think about the condition of your soul. One day you and I will stand before the almighty God. And he'll say one of two things. Enter in or depart. It's that simple. Man has made it difficult. God made it simple. This morning, wherever you need me be, please come. Together we stand as we sing.